I'm not unfamiliar with death. I spent my life as a soldier in the service of the empire. In my early career, there were certainly long periods of time, which not one day passed, that I did not see a fellow soldier or an enemy spill out his lifeblood on the ground. One minute, I was ready to slaughter anyone who stood against him. I even cut the man's ear off. The next, I was denying him with everything I had, vehemently denying him, cursing and swearing to prove that I wasn't one of his close followers. But I was. I wanted to be. I'd spent three years of my life being exactly that, leaving everything I had behind for him. So why at the very moment it mattered most did I reject him? Not once. Not twice. Three times. I watched every moment. It was the hardest thing I ever had to do. But if, through swollen, blackened eyes, he looked down from the cross, I wanted him to see the face of one person that loved him. For the past year, I've been centurion of this detachment, charged with guarding prisoners and overseeing executions. I've seen the worst in humanity, both among those who die and those who come to watch. It's not an assignment that I would have chosen, but when word comes down from on high, a soldier doesn't question orders. But today, today, I have questions. Soldiers under my command carried out pilots' orders to flock in. It was soldiers under my command who followed him through the streets to the place of the skull. It was soldiers under my command who tied ropes and hammered the spikes that held him to the cross. And as my soldiers were carrying out their orders, it was I, on order of the authorities, who nailed the sign above his head. This is Jesus, it read, King of the Jews. It's been the safest thing to do, to just pretend that I didn't know him. And I hadn't witnessed all of these incredible wonders and miracles and teachings from Jesus. I could be killed if they knew who I was. But I wasn't called to be safe. I was called to speak out. Jesus said, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses, it, whoever save, loses their life for the gospel will save it. I knew this. I knew it and yet that's not what I said. I don't understand what you're talking about, I yelled. I don't know this man. He looked at me, just as the rooster crowed, and the coldest feeling entered my heart. My whole body shook and my face just fell. My mind flashed back to the day that he was born, the pure joy we felt, and the amazement at God's glory. My baby was going to be a king as people came from far and wide, giving him gifts. I thought of a crown on his head. I never imagined it would be made of thorns. But I knew he was meant for a purpose. When shepherds came to kneel at his makeshift cradle, a mother suspects that her baby's life will not be an ordinary one. A mother should know that Yahweh has a bigger plan than she can wrap her mind around. When a mother finds her 12-year-old explaining the laws and prophets to the greatest teachers of Jerusalem, she can be fairly certain that there is something different in store for this boy. When your son looks you in the face and says he has to be about his father's business and something tells you it's not carpentry, your heart skips a beat. 
with the realization that this road will not be an easy one. When your son transforms water into wine, when he restores sight, heals the lame, even raises from the dead, you know that this proves the divine intention behind his birth. I'd heard of him, of course. Heard of great wonders and wise teachings from those who had followed him, of rebellion and treason from the authorities of the region. I'd heard him being called a troublemaker, a messiah, a rabble-rouser, a healer, a criminal, and a savior. How can one know what to believe? But today, I've seen the I've seen and heard the last word dozens, perhaps hundreds of men in my lifetime. I've heard them pleading for mercy, cursing those who have sentenced them, and even babbling nonsense. But today, today I saw a death like none I've ever witnessed. These moments I've treasured in my heart, but a mother will worry, and I have. The more attention he drew to himself, the more the authorities threatened and whispered, the more I wished he would just come back to carpentry and live a simple life. He was a very good carpenter. I loved to watch him work. Tables, chairs, bowls. And then, when each one had matched the sketches that he'd made on his parchment, he would step back, blow away the dust, and say three words. Three words that meant the declaration of completion. I heard those words again today, and a mother knows I knew that they meant much the same thing, though infinitely magnified. No furniture this time, but still there was a plan, sketched out and in place since before any sun was formed in my womb, and I suspect for much longer. Today, on that cross, his arms spread. I knew before he said them the words that were coming. We all put him there. The soldiers drove the spikes, but... We all held him down so they could. We were pulling on that rope that lifted him into place. We all left him there to die, alone, stripped of his friends, stripped of his dignity. It was an ugly way to die, but then he died for ugly things, didn't he? There's no pleasant way to die for all the sins of humanity. The sun had hidden itself for several hours by the time he had died. The world felt strange, uneasy, draped in the shadow of death. And when he died, the uneasiness erupted into chaos. It rumbled and it quaked and we struggled to keep our footing. I'll remember that, no doubt. But the one thing I will remember even more are the words he spoke just before the moment of his death. It It is is finished. finished. And just like that, I knew it in my heart and in my soul who this man really was. Everything he had said about himself was true. That only God could cause an earthquake, that only God could cause the dead to rise and complete darkness to cover over the world. This man had done miracles to hundreds of people and suffered in silence. This man had died for a purpose. That much was clear. My rabbi, my friend, the son of God. Surely... This man was the son of God. It is finished, yes, without a doubt. But it isn't over. Uh, It's got a short reading from Isaiah 53, verses 3 to 12. Uh, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering, like one from whom men hide their faces. 
He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. We are like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and who can speak of his descendants? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will not bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong. Because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. transgressors. Tonight's readings from Philippians 2, verses 5 to 11. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I have a sister. Uh, her name is Emma, and uh, she's got a friend called Evie. Well, I say friend, they're best friends. They've been best friends for 16 years. They're inseparable. <clears throat> they know everything about each other. They have the same fashion sense, the same mannerisms. you probably argue that they've got the same mindset. Their knowledge of each other is so great that they shape each other's thinking. Emma and Evie are more like sisters than best friends. And this kind of friendship takes years and years to build. So I'm sure you might have a a best friend like it. It takes years to build up a similar mindset, a similar way of thinking. And in this passage, we're called to have the same mindset as Jesus Christ seems weird, doesn't it, to have the same mindset as someone you've never personally met. But through God's word, the Bible, we have a revelation of Jesus. We get to know him through what he's done. In this passage this evening, we see the greatest description of Jesus' journey to the cross. And this is what Good Friday is all about, isn't it? Jesus' sacrificial death on the cross. We're going to look at two things this evening, Jesus' humble mindset and Jesus' humble movement, and how Paul, the writer of this letter, says that we're to have the same. 
We're called to have the same mindset as Jesus. And in this passage, we see that mindset is a humble mindset. In the passage, we see the humble nature of Jesus. If you've got a Bible, look down with me at verses 5 to 7. It says this, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God's, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Paul, the writer of this letter, here is talking about God, the God of the universe, the creator God who made all things. And this mighty, magnificent God is stepping down from heaven into the world that he made, that has been tarnished by our sin. And we see in these verses that this God is a God of humility. Jesus humbles himself to become the nature of a human We see Jesus, who is fully God and fully human, humbling himself to step into this world. And it says in verse 6, he made himself nothing. Jesus didn't use the fact that he was God to his advantage, but he humbled himself. He had a humble nature and a humble mindset. By taking the very nature of a servant, he was able to walk this earth as God in human likeness. This world is tarnished by our sin, and we're enemies of God because of our sin. We may think that we're good people, that we've done good things, but we've all rebelled against God, and our sin has separated us from him. Jesus came to this earth to solve this problem and to open the way for us to have a relationship with God's. He comes humbly to earth, and in humble obedience, we see him take the cross at Calvary. This humility we see demonstrated in Christ is the mindset that we're called to have as well. And verse 5 shows us how this should work out, and it's in our relationships with one another. The way we interact with each other and do life together should be with this humble mindset. We should be humbling ourselves in service before our Christian brothers and sisters, just as Christ humbled himself for us. And with this humble mindset in hand, Jesus did not just keep it within himself. He lived it out, and it prompted movement, prompted action. And we see this so clearly in verse 8. Look with me. It says this, And being found in appearance as a man... He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Christ humbles himself, and the result is his obedience to the Father. If we break down that sentence, we see the emphasis is on the word by. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. The way in which he humbled himself was by becoming obedient to death. And it was the father's plan for his son to go to the cross. He would have nails driven through his wrists and feet, a crown of thorns digging into his head, whipped and beaten and tortured for you. Because 
He is God. He could have commanded down legions of angels to save him. But in his obedience to the Father's plan, because of his love for you, he endured the pain of the cross. He did this so that he would take the punishment that you and me deserve because of our sin. And we can never fully grasp the magnitude of the cross, the pain of the suffering, the obedience of the Son to the Father. Christ had this humble mindset and that was resulted in humble movement. And this humble obedience should make us stop and think. This is not just a minor thing that Jesus is doing here. He's suffering and dying for the sins of all humanity, bearing the punishment that's due to our name, taking the weight of our sin upon himself. And Paul says to us as Christians, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And that mindset we have seen is one of humility. Have a humble mindset. And this humble mindset should provoke humble movement, a life of humility. Let this challenge us this evening as we look to Jesus and the cross that he would be crucified upon. We see at the cross the fullest extent of the love that God the Father has for us, that he would send his one and only son to be humbled as a man on earth. Jesus came from ruling on the throne of heaven to come to this earth as a baby, innocent, weak, humble. He would lead a life sinless, pure, blameless. Yet he was still humble. He didn't flaunt his sinlessness above everyone else. But he came to show the world what love is. The father looked on in pain as his son Jesus took betrayal, beating, mocking, The pain of torture. In Isaiah 53, we read earlier, it says this, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Jesus could have called down angels at any time and it would all have been over. Surely that would have been a greater show of his power. But what Jesus humbly came to show us was his love for humanity on the cross. And a greater revelation of his power would come three days later. We see in our passage this evening that Jesus' humble, obedient death on the cross would result in something greater. It says from verse 9, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus went to the lowest place. He went to the grave on a criminal's cross. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. And then God exalted him, it says, to the highest place. Jesus went from the lowest place to the highest place for us. And we see a glimpse of the future when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And that day will come. 
but a shorter glimpse into the future. We see three days later, after Jesus' death, that death has no hold on King Jesus. He would rise again with the power of death having been disarmed. Our resurrected king would step forth from the tomb uh, to show the power and the glory and the majesty of God. But before Jesus went to the cross, he shared a meal with his disciples. He instructed them to do this in remembrance of him. And this is what we're going to do this evening. We see the table laid before us. We're going to remember the cross and the sacrifice that Jesus laid down his life for us. It says in 1 Corinthians, a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. As such, this is a good time to examine ourselves, to confess our sins and promise God that we will put right any wrongs that we've done to others. And in the quietness of our hearts, now let's confess our sins, now as Christ sacrificed himself to take those sins from us. And let's have a moment to reflect. The band are going to play some music as we come to the communion table.